You are listening to a podcast from Providence Reformed Baptist Church. If you would like to listen to more of our sermons, please visit our website at providencewi.org. Please be seated. So not all of you have been through uh, with us through December, through the Advent series we've been doing, but we have each week started with... Um, a birth account, things that happened surrounding the birth of Jesus, things that were said uh, between the angel and Joseph and Mary and between uh, Simeon and Joseph and Mary and, and all of these, the things that happened surrounding the birth itself and Bethlehem and the shepherds. But the point from the very start is that when we when we look at those stories, that's not where it began. Of course, it began in eternity past, but these are things that were very specifically prophesied. So I'm going to read to you from the Gospel of Luke, chapter one, and I'll, I'll put the words up on the screen since you probably can't see a Bible tonight. Just after the Lord had appeared, uh, in, and this is one of those births in the Bible as I introduce this text, if you look at uh, what happened with Abraham and Sarah, Abraham and Sarah were, were well advanced in years. Sarah was post, 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 post-menopausal. There, there was just no chance there was going to be a baby. And yet, a miraculous birth, God brought through supernatural and natural means a, a birth to those two. You see the same thing with Manoah and his wife in the book of Judges. They were childless, and, and that was such a hard, hard thing for them, and yet God allowed them to conceive even as they had advanced in years. And uh, there were other accounts like that in Scripture, and there was another one given right here in Luke's Gospel. That was the parents of John the Baptist, and uh, they were they were so grieved that they couldn't conceive. And in a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, as Zechariah the priest is ministering before the Lord, he gets this message that they're going to have a baby. As he prayed, God answered his prayer, and he said, how's that going to be? I mean, he's standing in the presence of God, and uh, he should have known. An angel showed up, and they always bring messages, and they're always right. But he doubted, and yet God blessed anyway, even though Zechariah had to be mute for a while. And so here we were after uh, Elizabeth is going into her third trimester. Here is news coming, and we read, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin, engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great. And will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Now we've heard twice already in this text that Mary is a virgin and that's a word that, it, that Matthew uses that can mean nothing else than a woman who hasn't been with a man. She understands it. Luke, as he's writing these things, moved by the Holy Spirit, understands it. But then Mary asked the question. She didn't doubt like Zechariah did. 
Uncle Zechariah had, uh, had some, some real, real reservations about whether God could pull something like this off. And Mary's just saying, I don't understand the biology here. She isn't questioning God, and you'll find that out if you read the rest of the story. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. Now there's our, our New Testament, our surrounding the birth of Christ snippet. But is this just something that leaps into history or is there a background to this? So what we're doing, like we've been doing each week in December, is stepping back 700 years. And I will give you a, a little bit of the context to what I'm about to read Isaiah the prophet was the, the pastor to kings. Isaiah the prophet was the pastor to King Ahaz. King Ahaz had, we would say, grown up born again. He was the bratty church kid. He was in the youth group. He, learned, he knew all the right answers. He had, had everything just right down the line. He could have beaten any of us at Bible trivia, at least Torah trivia. Ahaz had, I'm sure, uh, because the scriptures commanded and his father would have made, his father Jotham was a godly king, would have made him study the scriptures, read it every day, would have made him make his own copy of the scriptures. But Ahaz had said, I want more. This is not enough. There's gotta be something to make this more exciting. So he looked around as, as king and he uh, abandoned the worship of the living God, even though in name he said, well, you know, he, he gave lip service to following the Lord. But he said, well, why can't we just bring a little more spice in? So he found the, the, the pagan uh, way of worship in different lands and redesigned the temple. And, and he thought he could just kind of free, freestyle it. We talk about the, the regulative principle of worship here from time to time. That, that's something that he threw out the window. Well, worship God in our own way. And so time and time again, the prophet Ahaz, the prophet Isaiah rather, came to King Ahaz and warned him, warned him that the Lord is, is not speaking through the false prophets that he wanted to listen to. He went everywhere he could to find a prophet who would tell him what he wanted to hear. And one day, I'll read a little bit before I, I get to the text that we're going to study together. It came about in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that Rezin, the king of Aram, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not conquer it. When it was reported to the house of David, saying, the Arameans have camped in Ephraim, and that means the Arameans were were an enemy nation just to the north and the east of Ahaz and they were knocking on the door. Ephraim was just a little ways north of Jerusalem. The Arameans have camped in Ephraim. His heart and the hearts of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake with the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, go out now to meet Ahaz, you and your son, Shear Yashub, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. So uh, simply put, King Ahaz was threatened. There was a threat that according to this text made him very much afraid. He went about his normal business, but if you've ever been living in fear for one reason or another, it tempers everything you do. 
you just wonder, is, is somebody out gunning for me? What's going to happen? And there's, there's just a dread that has overcome you that overshadows everything you do. Ahaz, you realize, had made his bed and he was beginning to sleep in it. And just to tell you the end of the story, the Lord promised Ahaz that, that he was not going to be brought down by the Arameans and he was not going to be brought down by Israel, the, the 10 northern tribes that had split off. He was not even going to be brought down by the Assyrians in, in whom he had put his hope, the mighty kingdom to the north and the east. So he's out at a, perhaps a, a, a place for gathering water, perhaps a, a bathing site. The upper pool is something that had been around for a long time. And the Lord said, go meet him. Take your son with you. This is a family-based ministry. So Pastor Isaiah took his son and went out to meet the king at this common pool, which, by the way, historically is the reason why there was a settlement in Jerusalem to begin with, because there was a natural spring close to Israel. So you've got your history for tonight. And here's what he said. Through the Lord, the Lord says, here's your message to the king. Take care and be calm. Have no fear and do not be faint-hearted because of these two stubs of smolding firebrands on account of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Remaliah. Because Aram with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah has planned evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and terrorize it and make for ourselves a breach in its walls and set up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. Here's, here's the hope. And this was, this was, from our perspective, we'd say, why didn't God just let him go down? He deserved it. He deserved it. He replaced worship with the living God. He was running his own way. If ever, some of you who are here this morning, if ever anyone deserved to have their picture on a, a Google search of the word iniquity, it's this guy. This guy's running his own way. He wants to do exactly what he wants to do. Let him go down. And yet God sends one more time a message and says, you're a son of David. I'm not gonna let your house go down. In fact, I'm even going to confirm to you that this is my word, that I'm going to preserve on account of David, I'm going to preserve that throne. And so the Lord spoke through Isaiah to Ahaz saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Make it deep as Sheol or high as heaven. In other words, you want confirmation that I'm not going to bring you down? The Lord speaking through his prophet says, what do you want to see? Ask for a sign. And Ahaz knew how to give the Sunday school answer. Ahaz said, I will not ask nor will I test the Lord. I'm not going to test the Lord. That, that would be faithless. I'm not going to test the Lord. And so Isaiah responded, listen now, O house of David. When he speaks to Ahaz, by the way, he's speaking to the house of David. Listen now, O house of David. Is it too slight a thing for you to try the patience of men that you will try the patience of my God as well? You're not going to ask for a sign. 
You're not, you don't want to believe what the Lord says. You're standing here shaken like a leaf on a tree and you're still not willing to turn to the Lord in the midst of all of this. And Isaiah says, but the Lord's going to give you a sign. Not what you asked for. The Lord himself will give you a sign. And here are these puzzling words. At least it would have been perhaps puzzling to Ahaz. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. See, that's, that's what the New Testament writers draw on, pointing out what Mary understood, what Joseph eventually understood when the angel came to him, what we've read in scripture for since our childhood, most of us, something that seems a biological impossibility. This wasn't just a new thing in the days of Joseph and Mary, and it will, as I'm going to point out in, in the few minutes we have here, it, it was essential to our faith. The immediate fulfillment, if you read the rest of this text, the immediate fulfillment was in a, a young woman, not a biological virgin, but a, a young woman who was actually the wife of Isaiah. And the fulfillment immediately came as a, a, a child of the pastor, a child of the prophet. But whether Isaiah really understood what was going on, Matthew understood, Luke understood, certainly the Holy Spirit understood that, that the ultimate deliverance for people who go their own way, for people who can sit in this room night, right now with shame in their memory, just to bring up that thing that you hid that nobody really knows about but you and a few other people that you just stay away from. When we have shame in our past, when we have iniquity, where we've just chosen to go our own way, do you realize the message to Ahaz is the message to us if we fall into that category? Ahaz was too proud to listen, too proud to take the Lord at his word, and so the Lord said, well, I'll give you a sign. His sign was of the ultimate deliverance. Before we complete this, I would like for all of us to be able to go into Christmas understanding the sweetness of the virgin birth. Yes, those other miraculous births to, to women who couldn't bear children or at least hadn't born children or to women who were past childbearing years, those were a delight and certainly you can call those miraculous. But I mean, this one, in a young woman who was 13, 14, 15 years old, we don't really know how old Mary was, but, but quite possibly she was very, very young, certainly in her childbearing years. The amazing thing to Mary when the angel came and told her she was going to have a son was, I'm preserving myself for my husband. How can this be? And the Lord said, this is, this is the power of God. The virgin birth is essential, even though some people would say, well, it's, it's really not that big a deal. I mean, can't you still be a Christian and deny the virgin birth or not understand the virgin birth? And so let me speak an opinion to begin with. This is not the word of the Lord. This is, this is an opinion. I think there are probably people who have turned to faith in Christ, who've really never pondered 
the virgin birth, really never contemplated that. They just understood that, that God became a man and, and he came to rescue everyone who would turn from their sins. And they just know Jesus took agony on the cross so I could be free. And they've embraced that. Perhaps without ever having studied carefully the virgin birth. However, to deny that Jesus was born of a virgin is first of all to deny straight up teaching in the scripture which pulls us away from anyone who could call themselves a follower of Christ. This Bible's all we have. And God has said through Isaiah, through Matthew, through Luke, as we look through all the scripture for that matter, it could be argued that Genesis chapter three prophesied the virgin birth, that the redeemer would come as the seed of the woman, not the seed of the man. <clears throat> and so the hope for people like Ahaz and people like you and me is that a sin bearer would come who did not possess the sin nature of a human father and yet bore the body of a full human being, a man who is tempted in all points, just like you and I are, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and yet lived a perfect life. We're going to sing in a little bit, holy God and love became perfect man. He, he bore the shame that you and I carry. And so the hope for Ahaz is the hope for you. Even though Ahaz, in his rebellion, would refuse to listen, it didn't change the message. And so Isaiah said, here's your sign. Here's your sign. God becoming a man. And that's where the name Emmanuel becomes so important. The place where his people live is Emmanuel's land because Emmanuel means God with us. And the only way that can happen is if Jesus is born of a virgin. Let's pray. Father, we bless you for the truth of this gospel message that's based on what you've spoken in your word. Make it our joy as we're considering Jesus tonight and, and tomorrow and in the coming days with all of the celebrations that could easily take us away from those thoughts. Make us worshipers of the king. God become a man. You working what is, from our perspective, an impossibility, and yet you, the creator of life, conceiving in the womb of, of the Virgin Mary, your one and only son. We thank you that you've revealed to us he has no beginning, he has no end. He bore our sins and was tempted in every way like us and yet remained pure. As we look at this last candle of Advent, the purity of your son, make him our joy in his name.